Welcome in to the Dream Preview main pod special main episode of the Dream Preview tomorrow, Thursday, recorded Thursday, released to you Friday with the great RJ Bell. Now, though, we have a special bonus pod for you. We're going to have a best bet from the hitman, a best bet from Diamond Dave Esler. We're also going to get into some of the week's topics from the Straight Out of Vegas Fox Sports Radio show we do every day. Now, I asked RJ, could I, could I please do this intro? I kind of like, you know, getting my name out there, getting to speak to you fine folks. And he said, yeah, sure, no problem, till you screw it up. So we'll see how I do. We'll see if I can keep this gig going. I know I enjoy it in this chair right now. All right. First up, we have best bets for you. Diamond Dave Esler, looking forward to the NBA playoffs, has a series pick that he thinks there's great value in. Let's check it out. 11 bet the Trailblazers, plus 110 over Denver in their series. I'm going to ride the big mo momentum. It started with Portland last year's bubble. And now the Blazers have won 10 of 12, losing only to the Hawks and Phoenix, and both of those were back-to-backs. Murray being out, I think, will have a bigger impact in this series because Camposo and Rivers are just overmatched by McCollum and Lillard. And the addition of Powell just gives them that much more depth. They finally have a healthy Nurchik. So it's a matchup issue to me. When you also look at the makeup of teams that have beaten Denver lately, the Warriors twice, the next two teams that can simply outscore people, much like Portland can. Only Phoenix won more road games than Portland, so winning a game in Denver isn't a big ask. It might even be game one. Portland played wire the wire to avoid a play-in game. Denver didn't. So again, momentum. I'll ride it and bet Portland plus 110 to beat the Nuggets. Diamond Dave Esler gives you his best bet. Next up, straight out of New Jersey, Tommy the Hitman. You know he's always handicapping the NFL, digging deep. He has a week one bet for you that I listen to, I think has tremendous value as well. Let's check it out. Best bet, Falcons, Eagles, over 47 and a half. The Falcons are my favorite over team to start next season. New head coach Arthur Smith ran the sixth fastest situational neutral pace last year, and they also ranked top seven in hurry up rate as well. Atlanta, arguably, has the best trio of pass-catching weapons in the NFL, and combine that with one of the league's worst defenses that is also undergoing a massive scheme change with new defensive coordinator Dean Pease. I love their overs early in the season. As far as Philly's offense goes, they get back nearly their entire offensive line from injuries last season, and they also have improved receiving corps, which should give them enough firepower to take advantage of this bad Falcons defense. I expect this total to close around 50, so I'd get on it now. Best bet, Falcons, Eagles, over 47 and a half. Now let's get into some straight out of Vegas topics from the week. First up, the man whose name is in the news every single day, it seems like, Aaron Rodgers, is he staying? Is he going? If he goes, what is the most logical trade destination? The great R.J. Bell and the great Jonas Knox broke it down on Monday. Let's check out what they had to say. So, R.J., we continue to monitor the situation in Green Bay between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, TMZ's uh, had video and and cameras out and saw Aaron Rodgers land with his fiancée in Hawaii. So he's trying to get out of the uh, the Green Bay heat uh, and escaping to Hawaii heat. (laughs) But nonetheless, uh, we are still waiting to see whether or not he will be under center for the Green Bay Packers week one. Has Aaron Rodgers, he's never been married, has he? No, I don't believe so, no. 
Okay. Well, I mean, you think there's been a secret? Like Bob Dylan had a secret marriage. You think yeah, there's been I mean, a secret marriage? Who knows? He's a very private guy. I'm not saying there's any relation here at all. <laughs> I'm not. But it, it's kind of. Well, I'm not even going to say. It, <laughs> all right. So now, I don't think I've ever not said something, but I'm not. Okay. Here it is. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was Liberace music in the background right now. Now, here's what I would say is Albert Breer was talking and talking about the very trades. And this is one of the perspective ones. Three first rounders and Drew Locke. One, I don't know if that's worth it or not. Because, I mean, he is, he had a hell of a year. And one of the things about Aaron Rodgers is, and I think this is condemning, but it also is something to consider. It felt like Jordan Love being drafted led him to try extra hard, you know, focus, off-season work, etc. And he had his best year in six years. And maybe his best year ever, but certainly his a, an A-plus year for the first time in six years. Was that a choice? Because if he could have done it just because he was peeved, that means his lack of being peeved or his lack of motivation caused the five lesser years prior. And they weren't just by a little bit. We looked at QBR. He had like an average QBR over those five years. Average, not even above. I'm not saying he wasn't above average. Stats sometimes don't give you the whole story, but he wasn't that far above, and the stats said average. And then he had, it could be said, one of the best years in the history of the NFL. I mean, really, it was an amazing year last year. Was that just random? Was it fluky, or was it lack of effort? Now the question is, let's assume effort was an issue. How effort-driven will he be this year? Because if he somehow goes back to Green Bay, I can't imagine he's going to want to put up the same year because he's going to feel like, oh, I'm doing it for the guys I hate, apparently. So if you trade for him, you could make the case that he's going to be super motivated to prove Green Bay wrong, to show everyone it was worth trading for him. So, Jonas, let me ask you this. Would you agree... That if I said we could have two universes, like a simulation, one, he goes back to Green Bay, and we look at his QBR. The other, he goes anywhere else, and we look at his QBR. I think that I would bet major money on the non-Green Bay QBR being higher because of motivation. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah, I think I think if he goes to, say, Denver, just for example, I think he has a better year there than if he stays in Green Bay. And Denver is a place you could say he has more playmakers, though obviously 26-6 and six the last two years in the regular season is mighty good for Green Bay as a team, for LaFleur as a coach. Now here's the next question. If you're Green Bay and you're looking to keep your job and you know, as I've coined the phrase, the Jordan Love judgment is coming. The Jordan Love judgment, you get the J's, alliteration, is coming <laughs> And I think they want to delay it a year. To me, if you can get a quarterback coming back like a Derek Carr, a guy who's a top 12 quarterback, now all of a sudden, Jordan Love, there might not even be that judgment. Because if somehow Carr kicks butt, you resign him, hey, Jordan Love's a backup or Jordan Love gets traded. But if you're winning, no one's going to be mad. You're not gonna, if, you, if you go 11-6, and six, you're not going to get fired if you traded for Carr. But if Jordan Love has to start this year, the judgment is coming. And by all accounts, it's not going to be a pleasant one for Green Bay. Now, it could be. He could surprise. But they're playing the numbers. It's a calculated risk. 
And don't you agree, Jonas, that all this Denver talk and the idea of uh, Drew Locke coming back, I have zero interest in Drew Locke being that that stepping stone. Because if so, and he plays bad, it's you might not even get to Jordan Love. Or maybe you're forced to put Jordan Love in the middle of the year when they don't. It feels like the Raiders trade is so much more attractive yeah. than Denver. Why is the obsession with Denver? I don't understand. It's the media. It's the odds. There's something going on that isn't public because I don't understand why Green Bay would want to have the Jordan Love judgment now instead of a year from now after Derek Carr. Well, one thing that, that I've thought about, um, Green Bay got kind of burned in the or, or, or the, the the Oakland Raiders at the time they were the Oakland Raiders before they went to Las Vegas. Um, one of the things that happened when they traded Khalil Mack is they had two offers on the table. They had an offer from the Green Bay Packers and they had an offer from the Chicago Bears. And they took the Bears offer because they thought those first round picks were going to be worth more because they thought the Bears were going to be worse. As it turns out, it worked the opposite. Green Bay was the worst team and so therefore they looked back on it and said we could have had this pick. Instead, we had that just based on wrongly guessing uh, where, where this is going to be at. Anybody you trade Aaron Rodgers to is going to improve. So maybe Green Bay is trying to do what the Raiders were trying to do, which was, all right, what are those first-round picks going to look like in the future? Because if, if you're talking about a pick that's in the high 20s, maybe you're not getting back the compensation that, that, that you would think you would. Yeah, but, but under that theory, Jonas, I'm starting to interrupt, but correct me if I'm wrong. Wouldn't you say Denver has better prospects with Aaron Rodgers than the Raiders would? See, I, I don't know. I, I don't be, and, and I don't know because... I think he looks at a guy like an offensive-minded coach like John Gruden, and, and maybe the idea is, all right, get him with that guy who can put together this this great offense with these young, dynamic playmakers and Darren Waller and, and, and a legitimate running back, and maybe they view that as, as a significant upgrade. I also – look, he's going to then find himself in a division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. So, so then we've Either we've way. Got, yeah, and, and so there's going to I, – I look at – if I'm the Packers and I'm looking for value that I'm going to get back, I agree with you. It's got to be Derek Carr. Like, yeah, I need yeah. I need Derek Carr. If, Plus, if, if you if, take Derek Carr, you're getting a first-round – I mean, Derek Carr's probably worth one first-rounder. So, in a way, you're getting a first-rounder that's a sure thing, and it extends your job, it seems like. Yeah. And wherever the team that Rodgers is traded to drafts becomes less important because the draft choices become a smaller percentage of the package you're getting back so there's something about this rate and i'll tell you this from the vegas perspective if you say uh rank nfl teams as if quarterbacks didn't matter or another way to think of it is everyone has the same robot quarterback that plays exactly the same quality so now everything else is what matters denver is ahead of the raiders and it's not even close uh, it's really not because you think about how bad Denver's lock is, how bad he's been versus Carr being pretty good, and Denver hasn't done that much worse than the Raiders. Now you actually say even quarterbacks, and you look at the playmakers Denver has, the O line solid, the defense with you know returning guys that were hurt. Uh, I don't even think it's. I mean, McKenzie, you do the NFL pretty well. Where, where would you rank Denver versus O or the Raiders if there wasn't a quarterback factor? I think Broncos are top 10 non-quarterback, everything else. I think the Raiders are bottom 10, maybe even bottom 5. If you look at the rush defense, they don't seem to have a, a very deep squad at all. Yeah, I, I think Gruden, I mean, there's a lot of Gruden skeptics out there, but the one area you got to give Gruden credit for at minimum is 
Derek right. Carr is a better quarterback today than he was two years ago. Yeah. And now he had that one year before he got hurt that was great, but it's been a while since then. And 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 if you take that away, the Raiders' defense is a mess. And yeah, they got a running back, but it's at catch twenty-two of how much is a running back worth? At least the sabermetric guys say not a lot. So I'm interested to see what happens. And if you have a closing thought on this, Jonas, that's fine. And then let's jump to that early preview in the NBA. Well, I, I think what would be interesting is if they if say Green Bay does the deal with the Raiders and they get back Derek Carr. The plan is still Jordan Love's going to be your guy, right? Jordan no Love's way. Be your quarterback. This first year. Okay, well, no, no, I'm saying of the future. So uh, if, you needed, well. if you needed to buy more time, what if Derek Carr ends up having a good season? You've, in, you've in essence, walked away from Aaron Rodgers off an MVP year, Derek Carr off a good year, all for Jordan Love. And if Jordan Love well, doesn't but, but work that's out— that's the thing. Would you have to go to Jordan Love? Because it, it seems like to me the offer—and you tell me if you agree with this. The offer Green Bay's made to Aaron Rodgers, at least been reported— pretty much makes it so Jordan Love's out. They Maybe they trade and maybe they don't, but the, the restructuring would make it where they can't really get off of Rodgers as soon as they would have wanted, which means they admit we were wrong, you were trending down, you trended up again, we're bought in. That seems like the admission Green Bay's yes. made. Wouldn't they make the same admission if Derek Carr has a good year? But that's, that's where the decision comes in. If right now your whole goal is to prove that Jordan Love is your quarterback of the future, then I, I don't think you make a trade this year. I, I just I don't I don't think you so you're do saying it. they feel like they're exposed to Jordan Love anyway. They got to prove he's right. That's buying time doesn't do anything for you because eventually you're going to have to prove he's right. I don't think that's true. I think they just have to have a good quarterback in there. If yeah. they walk away from two good quarterbacks to get to Jordan Love and he and he bombs out, then then it's going to be one of the most damning decisions two oh, times yeah. over for the organization. But at least they so. kept their job one more year in that scenario. Yeah, no, very Which good. Which is time. like seven yeah. more million dollars for the GM or I mean that's real money for these people. <laughs> They're always thinking, can I keep this job one more year? Now it's time for a celebration. This is something that was historic in the annals of pregame.com and straight out of Vegas. We sure had fun with it. We hope you out there did as well. It was an NBA futures pick. Let's discuss. Straight out of Vegas here, RJ, had their number one winner, called your shot a long time ago, and it is time to celebrate here. You know, there's such a thing, there's a dilemma in which there's two choices to choose between, and then there's a conundrum, which is more than two to choose between. I'm not sure which of the two it is, but I'm struggling with, I don't, you know me, I'm humble. But sometimes humility is false. So I want to be humble, but I want to be true. So I'm just going to brag. Make it simpler. 12 and one, 12 to 1 payoff on the Suns. We came right here and we said Suns to win the Pacific Division pays 12 to 1. I don't give exact numbers of what I bet. But it officially was my biggest payoff ever. And as I told you last week or two, Jonas, I I may get a new car from it. It it is a monster. And you know something? I I was contemplating with a beer Friday night, thinking how how much money did this win for the country? Because, you know, it's statistically easily researched. 100 plus thousand listeners. Now, how many paid? I played it. 
let's say 1%, let's say 1%, a thousand people, and let's say their average bet was, oh, 20 bucks. Let's be super conservative. So 20,000, let's say, was down on this. That doesn't even count mine. And at 12 to 1, Jonas, that's like almost $300,000. Yeah. So, like, I don't know the exact number, <laughs> but I'm saying we're, we could easily be up in a million bucks that, that our people won. And, again, maybe I could be humble, but how goofy would that be? How much of a lie would that be? What do you think, Jonas? How much is you oh, bet, well, Jonas? Well, see, here's the <clears> thing. <throat> I, I know my place on this show, and I know that the second I throw my money into the pot, it spoils the rest of the cash. So I, I, I did not bet on this because I knew if I went with you guys – uh, you would have ran for the hills and, and tried to steer clear of me knowing how bad I am at sports betting. So I did not bet on this because I wanted to have the win. I'm looking right now. Mackenzie just put up a tweet. I'm mad at this guy. So this fellow, what's his uh, Twitter handle there, Mackenzie? Carlos Eustedes, Rocktober 28. All right, Rocktober 28. Not Locktober, thankfully. <laughs> but... 16 to 1 he got. So I played it at 12 to 1 and he got 16 to 1? You know, that goes to show you. And he won over a thousand bucks. He bet $62.50. That's interesting. And he got the ticket up there right now. Mackenzie, why don't you retweet that? What's your Twitter account? At Mac and Rivers. Maybe you should have a Twitter account. People know what you say when you say <laughs> Mackin Rivers. Yes. M-A-C-K-E-N Rivers. Like they're flowing. Huh. I tell you, marketing 101 <laughs> is not taught at Yale. We see that right now. You want it to be understood. Maybe go to RJ in Vegas and maybe I'll retweet McKenzie, but it's up there. I got to tell you, it is fun one thinking minute. that we're taking the bookies down. I can't lie because th this was a big one. And I will say this as we wrap the show. And you remember, Jonas, I said a little hidden edge we have here is late in the year the Lakers and Clippers might be trying to avoid each other and they're not going to be as worried about winning the division. Now we would have won this anyway, but when the Clippers sat their starters on Friday night, that was the win that clinched it. And it was almost like I had a crystal ball. 30. I, I was going to say I had Italy to win the world cup in 06, but nothing compares to, to what you guys did. Well, luckily I'm humble about it though. <laughs> what is the pace of the game? Because in the playoffs, it's a lot more half court. And if all you do is say, take the teams of the playoff teams that need transition, that need pace to do well, if they can't dictate that pace, and most of the time it's hard in the playoffs to get teams running, they are going to suffer. Because if they need pace and there's no pace, that means they're in trouble. Washington, as we talked about, loves pace. Uh, I think it was of the nine games this season, they that were the fastest pace. They won eight out of the nine. Obviously, the pace was way slow in this Boston game. Under by 15 points, the total went. So we'll see as we transition to the Pacers, and maybe we should take a gander at that result quickly because we have the line now, Indiana-Washington, and we'll actually know or have an idea what the pace is going to be by the total. First, though, let's look at the Pacers' win over uh, Charlotte. Yeah, it was over pretty quick in this game. The Indiana Pacers with a 144-117 win over the Charlotte Hornets. So now Indiana and Washington will battle out tomorrow night for the number eight seed. It was over while McKenzie was still giving analysis on the, <laughs> on, on the handicap of the game. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, he looked at the screen and went, actually, I love the Pacers here. You know, it was like 15 to four. But um, obviously a nice win. And it's funny because we were talking about this, you know, in the pre-production. And I said, oh, Pacers have, you know, since that coaching tumult, seems like they've come on. And it was like, ah, I don't know. There were some questions. You looked at the point spread and actually, is it been seven or eight games or seven games, McKenzie? Seven, zero, oh, and one. Their last eight against the number. Yeah. So against the spread, eight games now they have not had a loss. Seven wins, no losses, one push. So by definition, the spread is expectation. So this team is playing well. Obviously, if you look at Charlotte, uh, you know injuries. Uh, LaMelo, not 100%. It felt like at the end of that game, his wrist... Now, I don't know if it was bothering him coming in. I don't know if it was one of those grab the wrist when you start losing. But LaMelo's a rookie. And the funny thing about it is, if you listen to the real analytics guys, they say that hardly any rookie is a positive contributor. That you can say, that's a good rookie, but even that isn't going to be a very good player LaMelo was, you know, some people believe one of the five best rookies of the last 10 years or so. So, I mean, even though Charlotte didn't win the game, you got to feel pretty optimistic about Charlotte with LaMelo. Uh, any takeaways to close the book on Charlotte? Yeah, no, I, th- I thought uh, LaMelo Ball had a good season. I'm curious to see where he where he goes from here. Um, his You know, his brother has never really figured it out. Like, he's never re- – it's always been like, well, he's got a ton of talent, but he get- – LaMelo feels like he was ready, much more NBA ready than his brother was. I think he showed that in his first year. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what his next – jump is from where he was at this year in Charlotte. And, you know, it it ended up being a good pick. A lot of people have criticized Michael Jordan for, you know, not making great picks, you know, as GM, but it ended up being a good pick. So I think they're, they're going to be a fun team to watch. I was also thinking about this. When's the last time we've seen a team put up 144 or a team allow 144 in a playoff game? Like that's got to be one of the highest scored playoff games in a long time. Ooh, now that's interesting because we believe this is a great little throw is we believe that it may be that big number that's affecting the total in the Indiana Washington game. 